To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to... Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast... With no direction. You've heard the song, so you know what you're listening to. Uh, this is Don. There's no root tonight. But here with me tonight is Barney Smith of Story Comic. How are you doing, Barney? I'm doing well, Don. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to uh, sit down and chat with you. That's an understatement. Uh, we've been talking for almost 30, 40 minutes. And, um, <laughs> I, I was excited about the episode before, but I said, well, we got to start recording. Um, so what we're talking about tonight is... Um, a book of dad jokes, <laughs> which I, um, you know, dad jokes over 500 groans and chuckles. Um, <laughs> what, I got a lot of questions on it. I guess the first one is what possessed you to, to put a book like this together? So, and so I have, I, I, I have three kids of my own right now. I married late, so I get married at 36. So I, I did some math, Don. I figured out that by the time my two-year-old graduates high school, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 65. So I, so, so what it, so really this, the impetus, I mean, so, and, and we mentioned before we went live that I, I have a podcast myself and one of the, one of the benefits of, uh, of that is like, I've been interviewing and show, so have you of, talking to a lot of people that had COVID projects and my COVID project was that um, for those that don't remember, because it seems like a while ago and we all kind of have this, we've, you know, we've all kind of created this, um, this the collective amnesia of how bad it was in 2020. Like there was, there was a lot of stuff going on in 2020 and the internet was rife with vile and rife with, you know, just any type of conflict you could, you could literally look for, to get an argument with any stranger you wanted to on the internet in 2020. You can, you can now, I mean, that's not like I just changed, but it was, people were looking for things to fight about in 2020. And so what I did is that I, um, I, I, I took it upon myself to just kind of create some levity on the internet as much as I possibly could in, in my own my my own corner of the internet. So what I did was I scoured and I looked for any types of really ones where people are just angry about something. Then they can stumble upon my post where I tell a dad joke and people are like, oh man, that okay, yeah, all right, and immediately create levity, you know, in you know, in there. I mean, a good a good one here is um. Um, me, I, this is a thing. It, it, I asked my horse, "Did you steal my thesaurus?" The horse said, "Nope." So you know things like that. Like uh, <laughs> if you know, if you ever get cold, stand in a corner for a bit. They're usually ninety degrees. Like these are the things that. So what I so what I did, Don, is that I really I what I did is that a lot of joke books you're gonna find are gonna have things that would be considered inappropriate either really outdated, a bit misogynistic, a, a little bit, you know, racist. Some of the things that you would find or some of them are just like overly political. So what I did is that I so what I did is of what I was able to do, Don, is that I I wanted to find every single every single pun and groaner and anything that would just made you just kind of like get mad at yourself for smiling at that were just completely safe and appeasable for a five-year-old to a 90-year-old and that did not, you know, ask any questions. So there's, and, and I had, and I was, there's a lot of jokes out there that will always slide in something that seems uh, a bit inappropriate or a bit political or a bit religious or a bit trying to um, tear down uh, a, a group of people. And I'm proud to say that this book here is, completely safe for everybody and anyone to read based off of any level of age or, 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 or ability. So, and that's what, and it, and to be honest, and also to Don, it is pretty darn hard to find the ones where there's, I've weeded out some that were just like, no, that's, 
Yeah, yeah. That that's that that's inappropriate. <laughs> like it was like one some um and I've also been able to go backwards to old I listen to a lot of old uh, old-timey radio programs as well. Yeah. So I've been able to resurface some old good jokes from George Burns and Jack Benny and ones that actually um maybe are are not making fun of Calvin Coolidge or any of the presidents from the 30s because those jokes go pretty far back. Ones that are fairly timeless that people have forgotten about as well and I've been able to tweak them a bit to make them a, a, a bit susceptible for a modern reader as well. So, yeah. That's, um, there's, there's a lot of stuff in this book. I, I went through was reading them. Um, I've seen some of these on online. Somebody's posted on Facebook or something. But some of them, I, I have to say, they kind of caught me, made me laugh. I'm not going to give any of the jokes away because you should be reading this book. But the one I'm going to say was the, I were you joke with the genie. And that <laughs> yeah. one's not, if I said it to you on the air, it wouldn't make any sense. But if you read right. it, <laughs> I, <laughs> and, um, there was yeah. about six of them that I, I wrote down. I thought, oh, these are, these are clever. Um, great fun. Uh, one yeah. And that, and I would say like I, I would say roughly about five percent of them because I've been yeah I, I see so many of them so so much that you kind of get in the groove of it. I would say about out of the five hundred, about ten of them I invented, you know, which like tweaked yeah. on myself and like um, here here's a good one, Don. So I just found out they I just found out they won't be making twelve inch rulers any longer. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and some of them you're right some of them don are funny if you read them because they're like a play on words yeah. or how they're actually spelled but um but some of them uh you know some of them that you actually really get it if you're actually read it, like if you actually read it and some of them are funny as um because they're they're they they make fun of the words themselves but um yeah, like I, I'm working on a new book, How to Build Stairs, a step-by-step guide. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> These are, you know, when I say that it's a general humor and, you know, you joke about, you know, dad jokes, but right. they were funny. And sometimes um, if you have kids, you know, you've had um, uh, Laffy Taffy, you know, they yeah. have jokes in the rappers. <laughs> at the end of my working life, I got a job in a lumberyard. And one of the guys I worked with always ate banana Laffy Taffy, and he'd pass it out to everybody. And so me being me, I'd be at the commercial desk, and I'd say, okay, everybody hold up. And I'd hold up the, the joke, and I'd read it, the question. And it'd be like, um, what, do you name, what do you name a girl that was born on the beach? And everybody stops. Okay, one more time. What would you name a girl that was born on the beach? Would it be Sandy? Yeah, there you go. Somebody said that. Somebody said, Sandy. And then another guy was in the back, and he just starts giggling like a little girl. And all <laughs> four people at the commercial desk stop, put their hands on the counter, turn around and look at him like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> some of those jokes, and that was actually one of the better ones. But some of those jokes on Laffy Taffy, or if you got the, the Bazooka Joe Bubblegum, sometimes right. they have jokes, and they were so corny and so bad. Right. And, um, it's, it's still fun yeah. but this one there wasn't anything in there that sometimes it made me groan like the i you know i were you that one yeah. i it took me a second i thought they spelled it wrong oh oh god it's <laughs> 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 funny but um yeah but it was a gentle sense of humor and um right they just kept going on um it's also illustrated did you do the illustrations I did. So yeah, so I got an art degree. And so one of the one of the things is like I got as I say, I got a uh, I got a 2-year-old boy, I got a I got a 8-year-old girl and I got a 6-year-old girl. And it's really important to me as raising daughters to really highlight the fact there's no such thing as gender specific roles. I do the laundry in my home. Um, you know, it's you know, my wife likes to mow the lawn. So there's certain things on here that we just so there's like any of the roles. So what I did is that I really wanted to take the illustrations and I can probably, and for the show notes, I'll send links to some of these images and the, and for your show notes that, that I wanted to have very specific frames around the pictures, like each page to have something that you would see a dad doing. So there's a lawnmower, there's a 
there's a barbecue grill there's a a kitchen sink with dirt with dishes there's um a campfire a broom a baseball field a basketball Boy, hoop it. yeah so everything around here are things that would be considered um you know things a dad somebody could recognize okay my dad goes fishing or my dad plays football or my dad works at a computer so there's always just every type of dad i want to make sure or every type of like you know father figure is represented you know as an illustration as well so yeah yeah it was nice i, I really liked the opening when you explained about the dad book and you told people about it already but you had um you acknowledged somebody in it and i love the drawing because it's a car key touching a, a screwdriver can you talk yeah. about that a little bit yeah i mean so basically it's just like i wanted to kind of frame around the bottom of it is just you know i i it's uh, i remember when i was in high school it was my um my science teacher as well he was uh that's when i actually you know back in the late 80s before they actually called them dad jokes you know they just um you know they it's a, i think the term came as and i should do this too is like you know really do the history of where the term dad joke came from it's that it's you know it's you know originated from the pat the the point of you know in the in the 90s there was a point where like all the sitcoms always had kind of the goofy dad but still had some wisdom at the end yeah. but it was an unabashed goofiness that father started to emulate but in the 50s it was father knows best yes. father always father never had a personality father always was a stern was a stern guy you know for the or he was just not there but then but something something happened even in the early 80s you never kind of had a goofy dad it was there was but it was it wasn't until the mid to late 80s to the 90s on where the you know thinking about home improvement or like some of those shows where like you just ended up having um it it gave the father figure permission to have fun and and it gave the father figure permission to embarrass your kids in a good way and so and that's where that and that's kind of like where that point where that history came from and that's and but when growing up they were never called dad jokes but it was the point where it was the the father figures that we had growing up whether they be you know it was you know your teachers and stuff like that would always find it completely fine to say completely you know random puns that that made you get mad that you laughed at you know it was like the ones like that and then we just and it was especially science teachers because he would always do play on words of the periodic table you know it's you know like a, you know like a, a you know a, a uh, a gold bar walks into a, walks into a bar and the bartender goes au get out of here because au is a periodic sign of gold so it's like these are the kind of jokes that you know that you kind of get used to hearing about any type of insects and then the far side helped out a lot with that too by just actually yeah. normalizing puns in the sense of uh in, in in the sense of in in normal world settings as well so but you know putting the screwdriver and the car keys kind of like framing that bottom was just originally kind of like framing off and like even every every chapter title has has all kinds of generic dadish things around it that right. I drew. You got a tie, a light bulb, um, you know, a, a you know a cup, you know, a coffee cup, um, a baseball. So those were some of those things that you know I framed it on in there. Just having some very specific, but not universally generic dad things, but things that other people could recognize as a um as something that I, that they would recognize as a father figure being around with so yeah it fit the material quite well they gave it a whole theme and it was it, it was fun but like yeah. i said the dedication of the science teacher and then i saw the the screwdriver and the car keys almost like like adam's finger touching gods I, yeah I, isn't that clever that's uh that shouldn't even be in this book because this isn't sophomore <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, it's I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I wrote down about six of those those jokes and I thought this is I we've never had anyone on the show with material like this. You know, it's been comics. We had a guy that did the radio show, which was something unique. But this one I thought, well, well 
Okay, and I, I was reading more of it, and like I said, there was sometimes somebody come by and says, "What's so funny?" Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know? But, uh, well, I, and, <clears throat> yeah. Well, and, and also too, Don, which is really exciting for me, is that they that so it took so there's like over 500 in the first in the first book, and 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 coming out um, as of this recording in about two weeks, I'm gonna be coming out with a sequel book called Dadder Jokes, and so and that's going to be 500 more 500 more jokes in there specifically for that um and um and if you want to i can do an exclusive don and read a few of the ones that are going to be actually in the sequel book it's if you'd like this is your show oh well no well you're well i'm, I'm the guest it's, it's technically your show don no, so, no so. Um, we the guest takes over this and we we cringe in the corner while you basically impose your will on us no <laughs> i just i just hate for you to to give things away for free <laughs> but if you yeah. if you want to give some away that's fine that's everybody would enjoy them go ahead man yeah so let me pull up um all right why did my screen freeze here all right hang on file all right let me um, let me open up. All right, here we go. All right. Someone has glued my packs of cards together. I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> uh, what was the other good one here? Um, yeah, some of these are uh dear autocorrect i'm getting tired of your shirt yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's absolutely what happens <laughs> when you <use> <laughs> <laughs> um oh here's a joke on for the the band u2 that i found it was um i was playing monopoly last night it's the same as monopoly except the streets have no name you had a U2 joke in the first book. Yeah, I think it's because usually it's um, there. I, I, some of it is because of the phonetics of the fact of having that name like that. And also um, it's um, and this one's uh, um, where was the uh, and so like you said, some of these you kind of have to read to get. Um, but uh what do you? This is something from an old kids, uh, an old kids joke book that I got. Was uh, what do you get when you cross a snail with a porcupine? A slow poke. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> yeah, and my wife, my wife sells Mary Kay, and she, she, yeah. Uh, so I had, a, I told her this one is like, uh, do mascara and lipstick ever argue? Sure, but they make up. But yeah, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and that's, and you know, really, what it comes down to, Don, is that you just—I think it's so it, it, it's so important to be able to like, you know, and I really, as I say, being able to feel completely confident in having my elderly, my elderly great uncle, um, you know, read this book, having my mother, who is a minister, read this book, and having my eight-year-old daughter take this book to school and be able to read it and knowing that it's it, it go it crosses across all boundaries my brother who works at a stone quarry with all of his guys that are just you know full of you know uh stone dust all day long and just sitting back with a lunchbox and cracking open this book and reading a few reading a few of these and and then finding humor and everything too is that and and that's the thing is like ultimately too is that humor brings us together there's nothing that's gonna be to break down barriers better than telling a really good joke and the yeah. best part about it is when you tell a joke that actually is victimless is also extremely important as well um yeah. and being able to tell a joke that um doesn't demean or degrade and telling a joke that makes people connect with each other on in the best part about it the dad jokes are you not only to connect people with the humor and make people laugh, but you also share an experience with somebody where they actually both people look at each other and say, that was a really bad joke. <laughs> like, and they just, you know, they can kind of really appreciate it as well. Um, and yeah, and that's, you know, and as we're talking Don, before we both have uh, international experience, um, being able to, you know, 
make fun of oneself. And that's the benefit of those telling this jokes is that um, the the victim in this is the is the one telling the joke, especially when they know how corny it is. And it's and it, it makes them um, it, it, and, and it breaks down barriers of allowing people to kind of laugh at each other as well by doing it as well. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I, I've had friends I've worked with that always told jokes. And for their birthday, somebody would try to get them a joke book. Mm-hmm. And that's what you just mentioned. I've actually never heard of one that wasn't offensive. I mean, they may have some funny jokes in them. Right. But they're always full of offensive stuff. I mean, and right. being offensive, sometimes I'm surprised. There's something I really enjoy, a movie, a book, a comic, um, a record. Yep. And then somebody hears it and they get offended about something that I never thought about. And not that it's not wrong. It's just I never really gave it a thought. But finding a humor book, I've actually, this is the first time I've heard of one that's not, it's doesn't have offensive, demeaning, any of that kind of stuff in it. Um, right. That's a, that's a rare animal. It is. And, that's the, and that was the point, too, because even if you find jokes that seem to be, quote unquote, safe, there's going to be some sort of political jokes inside of that as well. And, and, and even if, even if you look at jokes that are, that you come from a conceivably safe place are going to have something invariably in there. That's going to either, um, inadvertently offend or, or, or deliberately offend, um, you know, a class of people, um, you know, as say some levels of misogyny, some levels of also um, celebrating somebody's uh, intellectual, uh, diminished intellectual capacity, which is also fairly offensive. And then also, as I say, um, you look at a, uh, any joke books that come from, um, you know, as I say, perceivably safe places are going to have some political bend on it where they're going to make um, some sort of societal commentary. <clears throat> and, and I really wanted to make sure that I was able to make a book that was actually purely safe for anyone and everyone to read. And it, it's and, and genuinely humorous at the same time. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, when I'm reading the book. You had it divided into, I think, five or six chapters. Yeah. Um, can you explain the logic to it? Because I'd read the chapter and I started to read the jokes. You have them categorized in a way. How did you put this together? So I was purely categorized based off of five chapters. So basically every book has a every chapter has a hundred jokes on it. And so what I did is I actually split them up into taking the word dad joke and then making like a, um, a and then making the words themselves as a um, um, uh, 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 not allegories. Oh, what's the word I'm looking at? The when they rhyme like Peter Parker, you know, when you have a. Oh. Um, you're talking about like a lim- not a limerick. Alliterative. They're making yep. them alliterative. Yes. So, so it's, you know, dad jokes. So chapter one is fatherly funnies. Chapter two is parental puns. Begettery buffoonery because, you know, that's another word. Guardian gambles, ancestor antics. So basically finding finding the thesaurus of those different words that means dad jokes, but then having them like an alliter- alliterative um giving on that so it's it, it it purely for the the point for someone when they want to sit down and read them all that they're able to know that once you get to chapter four you've already read 300 of them so once you get to chapter five then that means you're starting chapter five that means you've already read 400 of them because they're all there's 500 of them total inside the book itself so yeah yeah when i read that i was thinking wait a minute I don't know. This went from like putting a bunch of jokes together to this is work now. How are they doing this? You know, but yeah, that, that makes sense what you're doing. Um, right. Yeah. I have to admit at the end when it said um, the dadder jokes coming, I thought that was another joke. I didn't know you were <laughs> doing another book. I am. So, yeah, so there is. So, yeah, so Dadder Jokes is coming out and and it is coming out and uh, I, I believe August 19th is going to be coming out. And for those that are interested um, and um, the uh, so definitely and, and then so so Daniel, um, if you're able to send the link to the notification page, um, yeah. I I. I, I'll be able I'll be able to then for those that get notified on it 
um, there are going to be some early bird specials and you're going to be able to get that book for those that want the first book and the second book. It's going to be a huge deal to get both of them. And then then invariably you're going to be able to get a thousand jokes that have been uh, that have been curated and sustained and, and safe, um, you know, safe for consumption for anyone. And uh, at a at a pretty darn good deal for those early bird specials right away. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, well, all this, all the links and all we're talking about will be on the blog. But go ahead and, and tell people. Some people, I'd imagine, don't go to the blog; they just listen to the show. But yeah. If you can um, put the word out, where can they find you at online? So I do have so storycomic.com, uh, as as Don was mentioning earlier as well. I I do have a podcast myself, and I've and I've been really fortunate to have a lot of good guests like you have, Don. And I've I noticed there's been a lot of cross pollination between some guests that we've had together, that we've been able to uh, we we we've been able to really get um, uh, to learn a lot about how to do a successful Kickstarter. So I've had a lot of people come in and look at it and make sure that's um it works pretty well and it, it, funny enough the older i get the more i kind of so the, the the picture itself the default cover of this is basically um kind of supposed to be me but i'm, I'm aged a bit more because the cover of the first one um the, the the dad on the cover looks a little younger but the dad on the cover of the second one is now wearing glasses and has a little bit of gray on the side so um so I'll be really, I'll be, uh, be fun when I come out with the third installment called Dadest Jokes. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's gonna have even probably somebody a little bit older on that cover as well, with uh, some older kids on the front too. So. <laughs> That's pretty clever. Where, you know, is this? Are you, is your books sold online only, or are you selling them in, in? Are they sold in physical places as well? Yes, it 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 is it is sold in physical places. You can buy if anybody's interested now to make this you know an evergreen podcast. You can get dad jokes online now. You can get it at BarnesandNoble.com. You can get it at at Amazon.com as well. Um, it's available there. Um, it's also available through you know your your local bookstores because it is a um, it is available for local bookstores. Uh, if you go to, you can always go on their website and you can actually um, uh, click on the link and actually be able to order it directly through any of those uh, any of those um, stores. But also too, it's always good to support your local bookstores. Yeah. It's always good to support local bookstores, and you can and you can always um, order it through your local bookstores as well. So um, yeah, local businesses is extremely important for for any for any town. So yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. That's one thing we're talking about change. We're, uh, we talked a lot off mic, but we were talking about how changes for the pandemic and everything. But, you know, bookstores have gone through. I, I find it ironic because remember that movie, yeah. You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks? Right. Oh, he, oh yeah. We, you, we've, you've Got Mail. No, not you've, yeah. it, you've Got Mail. Yeah, it was You've yeah, Got Mail. You've Got Mail. But, you yeah. know, um, who was the, I forgot the actress. The other actor, the woman. Um, that was uh, Meg Ryan. Well, Meg Ryan, but she had a, a small local bookstore. Yeah. Tom Hanks owned one of those big, massive bookstores. Like you know, we just mentioned Borders, which are gone now. Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Yeah. And they were. I was in the newspaper when this came out, and they were saying that a lot of small bookstores see this movie and they're just bawling because it was destroying the local bookstores. Right. A lot of those yeah. big bookstores have gone away or are struggling. And um, I, I remember a time when you just see little bookstores everywhere. Some of them were almost like closets, but they were fun to go into. But now some of the independent bookstores we have around my town are doing quite well. They're picking up again. But I just I never would have saw that. You know, of course, well, you I, all the, the yeah. online sellers. Well, well, here, well, here's the thing, Don. It's like really like the books, the small bookstores now are not the same bookstores that existed 20 years ago because yeah. the new bookstores that are sticking around are actually doing a really good job because they're pivoting, utilizing places like Amazon and the Internet to their benefit. So you, utilizing them, not thinking of them as a competition, but thinking of them as a tool for themselves. So you've seen a lot of good uh, small bookstores that are doing a couple of good things. Bookstores have one thing that that Amazon doesn't have. Yeah. 
and that is niche books that are not you can't find. So yeah. they're being really smart what they're doing. If you ever find if you find an old children's book, there's this one one children's book that I used to read when I, in like their early 80s. It was called Trouble for Trumpets. It was a really rare book that that's a you can get in the libraries everywhere. It was basically this British book, British children's book that featured tiny, I would say three inch tall orange hippos like that were like little fairy troll things that lived in these woods and the book itself um only had one run only had one first printing on it and so what it so if you want to go on amazon.com to buy the book you type in trouble for trumpets you can't find it new but you can find it used for about 250 bucks and you know who's selling that for 250 bucks a bookstore so bookstores are able to take so if they're unable to take their overages and turn them around and send them back, what they're because what they have to do is cut off the cover and then send it back yeah. to the to the. But what they'll do is they'll take some old books and then you have somebody you might have a scrappy part time employee who knows the value of those things by looking at the, and then posting those books on eBay, posting them on Amazon, and reselling those at quite a high margin and then the other benefit that small bookstores are actually doing really well on is independently published books from local authors so they'll have a really good section um like where you live like living in texas i live in vermont is like we're living in california um you know name the state missouri georgia you have all those places have authors that are now being able to independently publish their books. And as you're doing that, you can then either work through a hybrid publisher or independently publish, then go to your local bookstore and say, here's a stack of books. Um, can you sell a book? So I'm a local author and like, sure, come in and do a talk. So you're really, what you're seeing is that local bookstores are, are, are actually now being, being created as, as, um, satellites and are in arms to uh, you know into in uh, local libraries in a way, so they're able to be able to be um, good local places for people to gather and actually talk about books yes. and meet local authors. So they're pivoting to where it was because what's what's strengthening local bookstores is actually what. Um, actually hampered local bookstores 20 years ago, and that is you don't need to be one. You don't need to go to an agent and get one of the big five to try to sell your book to be get published. Don, you can write a book about you know e- you know e- eating uh, eating you know the the art of Filipino food for an American or something like that. And you can you can write a book and you can get it published and then you can publish it yourself and sell it. So that's the benefit that I see that you see a lot of um, smart books, bookstores, independent run bookstores are now doing. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it's one thing. Um, the pandemic showed this too. We talked about this when this is new. And it's like some some people are going to think ahead and change change the game. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and the bookstores, that's, that's well thought out. I have to admit, there's two things. Uh, before we, we started talking off mic, I wasn't expecting him to be so deep and astute. You know, he wrote a book about dad jokes. <laughs> uh, really interesting human being. Um, you were with Doctors with Borders, you know, without yeah. Borders for quite a while. Could you, would you mind talking about that for a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I will love it. It's like, it's so I was there. So um, I went to art school. That's how I kind of got my art degree in my art is I went to art school in the late 90s. And after that, anybody that remembers the late 90s that was around then, they had what was the internet bubble where everybody could be a millionaire by selling something online. And it was so brand new. It was a wild west. And then um, so they couldn't find anybody really to join the Peace Corps because I saw a brochure sitting there in the in the student council lounge. I'm like, Peace Corps? I thought about that. So what I did is I made a comic book as my application to the Peace Corps. And that stuck out wicked because everybody's writing – everybody's just writing – resume you know writing essays yeah. and then somebody sends in this somebody sends in this um this comic book about how they would be good in the peace corps so i did that and um once i so i, I got in the peace corps and then what i was able to do is i had uh, 
they asked me, so, you know, um, do you speak French? I'm like, well, I took two years of French in high school. They didn't test me or anything. And <laughs> so then I'm like, uh, what do you know about your, what, what do you have any medical background? I'm like, I had CPR class. And they're like, okay, yeah, all right. Um, and then they connect and I had my recruiter said, so what, what about, do you want to go to Niger? I'm like, yeah, I love Niger. Yeah, why not? And of course, then I like, as soon as I said that, I just had to look up into the encyclopedia where Niger was. Um, it is consistently been the second poorest country in the world for like 40 years straight. So um, it's uh, it's and, and it's been consistently poor, not based off of famine or war or any of that stuff. It's just always just been a really destitute country. So I moved. I went there in the Peace Corps. I was there. Very classic, very classic uh, Peace Corps experience that you would just generically think. I lived in a, a mud hut with a straw roof. I pulled my own water from a well. I had a pit latrine. I had a lantern for a light because there was no electricity, no running water. I was there for about four years. Um, loved it. Loved it. I mean, it was to that. It was and. You know, Vermont itself, where Vermont is, Vermont, I always like to tell people who know, is like, Vermont's like the Shire from Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah. everything happens outside. Everything happens outside of Vermont, you know? And then, um, and so I came back and I still had that bug. So it's actually called, it's um, when people get homesick, you know, people get homesick when they're away from home. There's actually a term that's in the opposite of that called a waysick, where you just miss being away, like you miss the adventure. So after that, then I applied and I, I started doing international relief work for places like doctors. I was with doctors out borders for a couple of jobs. Um, I worked for other places called Action Against Hunger, another one called Doctors of the World, another one called Medical Emergency Relief International. So all these places. And I and yeah, Don, I had Don, I had a I had a blast. I had so much fun. It was, it was, um, it was hard. Um, it was scary. And, um, and at the same time, it was, you, um, it, there's, there's a level of what you would consider burnout from it because they make you do six, they, you only do six month, um, six months contracts at a time hmm. because of it's, you work 24 hours a day, basically seven, yeah. because you're in emergency settings. So they make you take two weeks off every three months to go on vacation. And then they only do six months. If it's a, a little safer place that you're in, you could stay for a year. Like when I was in Uganda, I was there for a year. When I was in Zimbabwe, I was there for a year. Um, but other places like when I was in Libya during the revolution, I was repairing ambulances and dodging bullets. Um that was that was interesting. I had depending because we were based in Tunisia and then we would travel over the border to Libya and we worked in a hospital there. But depending on who was in charge of the who was in charge of the border, sometimes it was the government and sometimes it was the rebels, depending on who was in charge, depending on if our driver could drop us off at the border or drop us off a mile from the border because if they got to the border they could have been shot because they're on the opposite side so that was that was interesting and um but yeah you know what it's it, after a while it was you know it was time to you know living out of a suitcase for 15 years was long enough so i uh you know decided to come back home and and you know and start um, you know, starting, start getting back into, you know, you know, getting married and raising a family. And so right. fast forward, you know, 11 years later, here I am talking to, you know, the famous Don Moore. So yeah, ah. everything's, you know, coming up great for me now. Aim higher, Barney. Aim a lot. Higher. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I find that amazing. I find that fascinating. Um, we were talking off mic. He just kind of mentions it gently. Uh, if I had done it, man, I'd be wearing a shirt with it. It'd be lit up behind me. He just kind of mentioned it. I said, well, hold on here. Wait a minute. Why? So, yeah, I, I take my hat off to you. That's impressed. And I, I will say, if you look at the cover, it'll be on the blog of the dad jokes. Yeah, this kind of simple kind of guy. So you can imagine my shock. We come on. We're talking through video, and I'm basically talking to a hipster. You know, I'm thinking, well, this isn't the dad joke guy. What is this? Now, what we're going on. And I did not know this either. You have a podcast, or was it three podcasts? That one you do quite a bit. 
Yeah. So uh, I, uh, I so what I was so I, I basically pre-COVID. So I started a pre-COVID because what I was doing is like when I was really working on some of my comics and some of my books and stuff like that, I I, I was always asking for advice to just like, you know, some of my colleagues and stuff. And I said, I like to record this conversation. This is pretty good. Like, yeah, if you want to. So so that kind of started. That was the impetus. We started back in like January, back in January 2020. And it just kind of took off. So I end so it's called Story Comic Presents, and I have the links on my I have the links on on storycomic.com. And it kind of spun from there where I kind of ended up realizing that I uh had three genres of guests basically i had my independent and in, independent comic book creators that i that i i love talking to uh i talked to children's because of with my kids i learned a lot about children's books and a lot of people think writing a children's book is just easy because you're only writing maybe a hundred words and so but basically from there it it went when uh, you realize how incredibly difficult it is to write a children's book. So I was able to really get a hold of some you know, pretty good children's book authors and artists and creators to get them on the show. And I've talked to them. And then also being from Vermont, um, really kind of doing a give back on just really also talking to some Vermont artists and authors that live around the area um, to uh, kind of give them a, a platform to to talk about some of their books. And I've been able to meet, retired judges to um I, i've had uh, a few um uh, people that i'm kind of proud of that i've gotten on my show i've had um uh paul zaloom from i don't know if you're you remember beekman's world don yeah um, yeah I, I sure do yeah so i had him on my show because he's actually from Verm- like he from vermont so i had him on i've had um uh i've I, I got some other people that have been on that have been um, you know, fairly well known in the area as well. Um, and, and, and so basically, and you know, this too, Don is like that. The most important thing to do when you're doing a podcast is, um, is you have to have, and you have this too, Don is the best podcasts are the ones where the host is, has, has the, the, has the ability to be genuinely curious oh, yeah. like you do. And so, and that's, that adds to it. And, and so it's being able to just, um, you know, really ask some good questions and just really, just really want to get to know who that person is that you're talking to that you're across the mic from, which is makes it um, really entertaining. And, uh, and, and, and then the hard part about, and also too, the hard part about it, Don too, and you know, this is, that people don't realize is that the editing process that happens after after the fact and and like uh, the sound at ed- like the editing of it and just you know just making sure that happens is always um uh, is is probably the the hardest part of the job of doing podcasts is making it sound good after the fact and um and you know making your guests sound good after the fact too is always good. well <laughs> Um, you're going to be disappointed with ours. Uh, when we started, we had no idea what we were doing. And so we'd have to be around somebody's computer, not a portable, you know, the regular computer. And we all bought right. those cheap computer microphones for, what, $15 or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> it picks up every gust, every scratch, everything in the world. It was it was horrifying. And then um, we kind of learned from there, but... Not, you know, the guy, uh, one of us does the editing stuff, not me. He always makes a joke, we'll fix it in post. He doesn't listen to it. I, I listen to the show. If I clear my throat too many times or cough too many times, I'll, I'll mark it. Say, can you take this out if possible? And that's about <laughs> as far as the editing goes. Basically, you know, and sometimes their guest says, maybe we should take that part out. We do, but. Very little editing. Basically, it's it's a paper bag is what our show is. It's, you got it. No frills, no editing. We just throw the the sound bites on, the, the theme song at the beginning, the closing music, and that's basically it. So <laughs> we're a low-budget show. Uh, but as he just described, you'll have links. You can listen to a really high-quality podcast where the, the host really thinks a lot about it and puts a lot into it. But that's not this one. 
<laughs> you've done but it's funny too because you've had all a lot of your guests are like we've like i said there's been a lot of cross-pollination on there you know you get you know andre cosmo and natalia i've had rw nunley oh, yeah. caleb um yeah the homebrewed guys those are fun yeah uh, Lori calcaterra uh, yeah. yeah yeah ray's the on there um yeah, Phoebe Xavier, Mel Cartagena, I had him on. Yeah, Philip My- Meyer. Hello. Yeah, there's you been a lot. You mentioned been on a couple of times in the show. It's interesting because, like I said, it was during the pandemic. We just started getting people, you know, I'd get an email. Okay, you know, and um, so they come on, you know, and they were always nice. They send us work because we'd like to be familiar with it, you know, with what they're doing. I, I want some examples. Some of them only send us a few pages, which is enough. Uh, some of them, Phoebe Xavier sent us like, I don't know, it's almost like a truck had to bring all the stuff over to us, you know, it's all electronic. Yeah. You know, we, we go through everything trying to get rid of it. I mean, not rid of it, get through, through it so we're familiar. But I really enjoy talking to the people. And then you know, from that, other people have come on says somebody told us about it. Um, the one that surprised me the most, one guest we had, um, a friend of hers is the fiance to Athena Finger, which was Bill Finger's granddaughter who co-created yeah. Batman. Right, yeah. And, you know, when she mentioned it, she was talking like we didn't know, so you're talking about Bill Finger. And then she was surprised. Anyway, she sent us a note later, said, um, she was telling her friend how much she enjoyed being on the show, which I it really meant a lot to me. But then she said, um, her his fiance wants to come on the show. You would think we won the Miss Universe contest and they put crowns on us with handless flowers. We were just you gotta be kidding. Um it's been a thrill. But I mean, like I said, I know in the beginning we only had like four to ten listeners. Uh we're doing the show because we like to. It's fun to be with your friends. It's fun to talk about the stuff. And when it's just us, you know, we start talking about inkers, lettering. You know, um, I've some friends of mine that aren't into comics always say, well, it's good, but I need an interpreter when I listen. Well, you know, we, we talk about the comics we've read and stuff like that, events, but it's just mostly hanging out with your friends and talking about what you love. Right. But yeah, some of the guests we've had, well, actually all the we never had a bad guest. You would think we would, but they've always been interesting, and I've always enjoyed it. But um, but like I said, I was shocked when you told me you did some podcast. I thought that's that's impressive. Now, is one of it a video podcast as well? Or yeah. So I do. So yeah, because what I do is I um so on on, on storycomic.com. Um, if for for those that are you know listening later, so definitely if you interested, check out storycomic.com, and then from there I have a list of all of you know a links to much like you know it's 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 very similar to you know bunchofdorks.com backslash you know two dimension podcast. So very similar to that where you have a list of like the hyperlinks to the actual you know like Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio and stuff. Um, but what I have on there is um, uh, the, the two main ones on the, uh, I have on there is my you can actually listen to an, any of the episodes as they go. Um, I don't have as many as you have yet, Don. I thought I got so yeah, I got 289. I just did my 289th episode, and you're at 300, 373 right now, huh? Well, if you didn't edit or or put in your production values, then you could probably have 400. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Well, but you know what? What's really important, and it's what you're doing, Don, is that there's a lot of podcasts out there that you check to see. I want to listen to, and you see it hasn't been updated in five years, or it's only it's uh, they they haven't they 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 haven't they stopped recording a year ago, because people get burnt out if you do too much too fast. Yeah. So it's really important to pace it. You know, get a good pace down, and and do what you know that you're capable of doing, and 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 also too understanding too is that honestly too don is that it's the, the piece of it too is that the customer service piece of it actually comes down to the guests that come on yeah. so your your podcast are you know podcasts are only as strong as as the reshare value that the guest does so if you're not if if there's a few, there's been a few episodes where i've had guests come on and they don't reshare 
the episode. So it's all it's 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 a professional courtesy to make sure that if you're a guest on a podcast, share that podcast. Make people know that you were on that show and how good the host was. And um and 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 that and that also it's you know all you know high water high water raises all ships. So it's important that you know the work that you do is that in order to for that recognition is making sure that those that the guests including myself is making sure that we're sharing those links far and wide about all the uh, the hard work that the that that the podcast is doing so yeah yeah your podcast not ours <laughs> oh your podcast <laughs> uh, like i said we're we're pretty lackadaisy here but no it's yeah we always try to get it out as much as we can all the guests have done the same it's i like all the diversity too um saying this i grew up reading you know, the comic books that were on the stands when I was a kid, which there was more than Marvel and DC, but everybody had a house style. I had no problem with it. I like that. But yeah. when the 80s came about, that was my favorite time. Um, I loved all the 80s comics, especially the early 80s. Yeah. Love and Rockets came out, you know, on Nexus, all that stuff. Yeah. And um, I love that. But on Kickstarter now, the diversity, even if you have, we've had a, a couple of people have done Western comics, but they're not the Western comics I grew up with. Both are completely different. Right. We've had a couple of guests that did comics about Bigfoot, uh, which is something I wasn't expecting. And both of them are completely different from the other. Anyway, I'm, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, right. Well, there was something else I wanted to talk well, to you so, about. I mean, cause what, yeah. you brought up a good point, Don, and, and this is this is a big proponent that, you know, the work that you do is, is, is important. The work that is that keeping in mind that comic books, comic books is a medium, not a genre. Yes. And what I mean by that, what I mean is that and I had a good conversation with someone that was that was doing a horror comic and and she was saying i can't nobody's reading my horror comic i'm like well who are you who's your target audience she's like comic book readers i'm like no yeah your target audience needs to be horror readers because if you keep thinking that comic books is a is a is is a genre that's not the case it's like people it's, it's basically saying that anybody who watches television every television show is for people who watch television. No. If people like reality TV, they'll watch reality TV. If people like, you know, like crime, they'll watch crime TV. So that's the thing. Comic books is a medium, not a genre. So people that like crime TV should read crime comics or listen to crime <laughs> podcasts. People who like reality TV should be reading, you know, um, slice of life comic books or or watching that watching documentaries. People who like action movies should be reading action comics and listening to action podcasts. So that's the point of it is that really it's really important for your listeners out there. It's really important to really focus on the fact that if you're an indie comic creator, what is your comic book about? Is your comic book about superheroes? Then you might be in the right field because those superheroes are going to be read. But then again, think about video games. If you're if you ever write a fantasy comic, if you're writing a comic about fantasy, Go to the role-playing game stores. Yeah. Go to the fantasy stores that that the people that sell fantasy stuff. If you're making a zombie comic, you need to reach out to the horror folks and sell your comic to the horror readers, the people that go watch horror movies. Next time, if you have a local theater, a local movie theater that might be selling um, a, a local movie theater that might be um, showing the latest horror movie, ask them, especially if it's a local movie theater, can I set up a table and while people are coming and watching a movie, can I sell my comics or give out some free QR codes to actually people can scan on and come read my comics? I'm a local comic book guy, that person that makes horror comics. Can I come on and when you have a thing, same thing with people that go into the next Marvel movie, go to that local movie store, movie places. Like I'm a local comic book person that makes a superhero comic. Are you interested? That's what it comes down to is expand out your audience to the audience that actually it fits your genre. And comic books is not a genre. Comic books is a medium, yeah. just like anything else, like like radio, 
podcasting, TV, movies, those are not a genre. That is a medium to which to tell a story. And that's where that really is important for independent comic creators to think about that the indie comic creator scene is good at supporting each other and giving advice. But do not think that the that the indie comic book scene is the same place that's going to be buying your stuff. Who's going to be buying your stuff for the people that are interested in the story you're telling, not the medium that it's taken place in? Yes. That's, no, that was well, well said. Have you done any of these things? Like, have you gone to movie theaters or any of that? I've never – I've heard people say things like this, but I've never known anybody that's done it. Well, it depends. If it's a chain movie theater, it's a bit harder. But for those that might have a local movie theater, the same thing talking about local bookstores. So what I did, I mean, specifically for dad jokes, I mean, this is uh, this is a genre list in a way uh, um, medium. This is making it almost specifically as an all ages kind of situation for this makes it a bit easier to actually approach local bookstores. I have local bookstores that have this on here. Um, I got my local libraries have this in there as well. Hmm. And local libraries a little bit harder because they love hardcover stuff, not yeah. soft cover. Um, and, but that's, that's, you know, and, and that's a great place. And, and and the beautiful, the beautiful thing about the dad jokes and also the upcoming dadder jokes book is um, they make amazing gifts. They make amazing gifts to gifts basically anybody who um, likes to laugh at things that are, as I say, are, are universally safe to laugh at as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's and when I say this, I read 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 it and um, it was clever. And I got called out a few times because what's so funny? You know, why, why yeah. you got that stupid look on your face? Well, <laughs> because <laughs> I I becomes you. <laughs> I were you. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, man, that's what we could we could talk another hour, but I'm gonna have to stop. I know you got things to do. Um, this has been fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for sharing your work and um and all of your experience and knowledge. This has been this has been something. <laughs> it's been something all right <laughs> so all right everybody listening uh if you like to draw we always use fake comic book covers to announce a new episode on the facebook page and the facebook group this show generates no money so we can't pay you but it'll be yours to own and if you allow us to we'll add it to the cover gallery of the blog a lot of people really enjoy these uh if you're any kind of musician singer songwriter um performance artist if you can put on an mp3 we'll play it on the music break uh, we don't have one tonight because we have a guest but we normally do and as i always bring up my partner rook always gets really upset because i keep playing the same artist over and over again so help a brother out uh and we also have a t-shirt it's on the sidebar of the blog it's not to make us any money which it hasn't but it's just to help us with the hosting fees that come up every year um listen to the show wear the shirt and everything we talked about can be found at bunchofdorks.com. Just click on the Cyclops and you can find everything we talked about and past episodes. And in the meantime, read more comics. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on, on the Cyclops. The Your dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.